0: Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we have got a jam-packed show for you this week because I'm doing what I think is the biggest virtual interview I've ever done. And when I say that, I mean number of guests that I've had. I'm talking with four guests from the upcoming film Warmed Over Krautrock. I have writer-director Mark Tompkins as well as a few of the cast members of the show, Kate Dalton, Adam Weber, and Derek James Elstro will be joining me a little bit later on to talk about their film. I had a lot of fun watching it. I've got to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I know I didn't really discuss WandaVision, I think at all, on this show. And I I loved WandaVision because I've mentioned on previous episodes of this show that after Endgame came out in 2019... Everyone was thinking, what can Marvel do to continue their success? Because Endgame was just the pinnacle of this 10 plus year storyline that Marvel told through what was, to me, a bit of an unconventional and in a way revolutionary way of telling stories through film, and that is using the TV method. You can look at various films as episodes of the Infinity Saga, and Endgame was the season finale. So we were all wondering what's going to happen now with the MCU. And then WandaVision came out and really I think blew everyone away because we were all confused a little bit as far as the sitcom setting and what exactly was going on with it. But it was one of the most creative endeavors that I think Marvel has ever done in their entire run since they became uh you know, they founded Marvel Studios. And I think that hurt Falcon and Winter Soldier a bit when it first started playing on Disney Plus, you know, a little bit over a month ago. And I, I'm excited for all the Marvel shows. You know, I think Loki's going to be a lot of fun. I think once the other shows like She-Hulk, Hawkeye, and other shows that are in development will come out, I think those will be a lot of fun too. But there was something special about WandaVision. And I mentioned the, the sitcom setting, and it holds such a beautiful story in such a creative way. That I don't think any of us ever expected. So then you have Falcon and Winter Soldier come out, and we're thinking, okay, well, what what exactly are they going to do with it? You know, they hinted at the chemistry between Sam and Bucky in Civil War, and they had some of the better moments in that movie. You know, there wasn't a lot of them, but they stood out in a way, and they took that and now have made it its own show. And I'm not gonna lie the first couple of episodes, while I thought they were good, I didn't think they were great. It was going back to that traditional Marvel formula that they follow over several of their movies, and I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but you can tell that you're watching a Marvel story because it follows certain beats, certain things happen, certain things are going to happen that you expect from a Marvel film. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but I think it suffered in the first couple of episodes because of that. Because it had to follow arguably their most creative endeavor in WandaVision. But the last two weeks have been extremely well done. And I wanted to talk about this specific character on this episode. Because something that to me has been a weak point in a lot of Marvel properties has been the villain. You've got a handful of good ones like Loki, Thanos, but a lot of them don't really stand out that well, or they kill them off after one movie. But there is an exception to that, and it goes back to the Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. All of those shows had compelling villains, leaving Iron Fist out because I just didn't think that was a very good show in general, but I won't get into that. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Daredevil, all three of those shows had very compelling villains. WandaVision with Agatha Harkness had a very compelling villain. And now that we've seen, and this is getting into spoiler territory, so if you haven't seen the newest episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier yet, go watch it and then come back here and check out the rest of the podcast. John Walker, to use a wrestling term, he turned heel. He became a villain because he took the super soldier serum and he snapped and killed one of the flag smashers. And my God, that last shot of him standing over the guy with the bloody shield was freaking perfect. From a filmmaking standpoint, that was absolutely perfect. But you go back to the very first episode and you see the new Captain America and all his glory and all he does is the wink. And people instantly hated him because he looked like the great value version of Captain America. You're like, this isn't Steve Rogers. Who's the schmuck that, you know, they pulled off the battlefield and slapped a helmet on him and gave him the shield. Like here, go be Captain America. And it seemed like they were trying to make him a little more sympathetic in the episodes that followed. But as we've now seen, none of that is the case because this was mentioned in the first Captain America film The super soldier serum brings out your true nature. And Steve Rogers was the exception to that because deep down he was truly a good person. So the serum didn't corrupt him or make him want more power because he was grateful to have it. So he was the exception to the rule. But you look at John Walker. Yeah, on paper, is he the right choice for Captain America? Possibly. But it's not the title who makes the man. The man makes the title. And that was the that was the deal with Steve Rogers, is that him being a good person, he wasn't necessarily representing America the country. He was representing the good side of America that everyone wanted to believe in, that everyone wanted to be. Even though he was a man out of his own time, and if you think about it, Half of his run, he spent fighting the government, and it led to him even stepping down from the Captain America name, and he wasn't really called that until, I think, Endgame again, because he was on the run after Civil War. So I think what it shows is that Captain America isn't a title. It's about the person who carries it and what they are and what they believe in. That ultimately makes Captain America, and that's why I think it's going to be such a big deal when Sam takes the mantle. I don't know what's going to happen with John Walker, and I'll give credit to the actor. Uh, his name is uh, Wyatt Russell. He has done a phenomenal job making this character hated. Like within seconds, he was absolutely hated, and you got to give him credit with that for his performance. I think he's been, honestly, one of the best parts of the show. I mean, I know so many people dislike that character. And when he got into a fight with the Wakandians in this last episode and he just had the holy crap beaten out of him, people loved it. And My fiancé, who was sitting right next to me, was cheering the whole thing. It was great. And that's what's made these last couple of episodes really good. And I was a little worried, like I said, but, man, these last two episodes have been... So good. And I think the John Walker character is a good reason for that. And he's an interesting case because, like I said, on paper, he looks like the ideal choice to take the Captain America mantle. But when you look at even why he joined the military, because he's got what you would call little brother syndrome. Everything he does, he compares himself to his brother and he wants to be better than his brother. So, right there, he's not being Captain America for the right reasons. He didn't even join the military for the right reasons. He didn't join the military because he wanted to help people. He joined the military because he wanted to be better than his own family. So, he's morally, he's not in the right place, but Sam is. And as I mentioned, it's going to be a great moment when he does take that mantle. He takes the shield and gets the Captain America themed outfit that he's going to wear. I just hope that it's not in like the last five seconds of the last episode. I worry that it's going to be something like daredevil where in season one, he mostly wore the black ninja suit. That's what I call it. And he got the actual red suit in the last episode. And I think he, in the final fight in the last episode, he was in the suit, but that's really all we saw of it until a year later when season two came out. I do think there will be more seasons of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Maybe it'll only be one more, but I definitely think they're going to be uh, further adventures of Sam and Bucky. And what I'll give this show and I'll give Marvel credit on this is that they have not been afraid to touch on current issues that are going on in the world. I mean, you look at, you know, what's been talked about with uh, the scene where police stop Sam and Bucky when they're arguing. It's because it was a black man arguing with a white man. So that right there, you're touching on racial profiling, potentially police brutality, police biased. So I'm glad that they're not afraid to touch on those issues. And I can't wait. And I I think part of it has been Sam doesn't want to take the Captain America mantle, not because he doesn't feel like he's worthy but he doesn't want to represent what he feels America is. Because you look at a reoccurring theme throughout the series, Sam and Bucky are questioning whether or not there should even be a Captain America. But as I said, it's not about the title. The title does not make the man. The man makes the title. And that's why I think it's going to be great, and it's going to be a huge moment when Sam does become Captain America. I can't wait to see it. The last two episodes, as I mentioned, have been must see TV. It just sucks that there's only two episodes left because this show isn't. The shows are longer, the episodes are longer, and you can tell the production quality is high. It's like you're watching a Marvel film. So these these next two episodes are going to be pretty crazy. And I'm just curious because they've said in episode five there's going to be a cameo of or an appearance by someone who is, like, they're an established character in the Marvel Universe. They haven't been seen on screen before, but they're not set to appear in an upcoming film. But they said, they didn't say series. I think She-Hulk might be a safe bet, but I honestly have no idea. I was hoping that the power broker would be Doctor Doom. Could it happen? Possibly, but... I I'm trying to stay away from the f- crazy fan theories, like what happened with WandaVision. Cause even I was falling into it. I was like, Oh, I'd love if, if Reed Richards showed up or if Mephisto showed up in the finale, I'm keeping my expectations very, I won't say low, but I'm keeping them at ease. I'm just curious to see who it is because I think these last two episodes will also be a launching point for another project to come up with the MCU I'm really excited for it and I I think as I said the the John Walker character and seeing his flaws begin to unfold even throughout that second episode but this last one you you really saw him go off the deep end and I can't wait to see what they do next with it and I was also curious to see what you the viewers and listeners think of the show and specifically the portrayal of the John Walker character Uh, David Sunday says the show is incredible. I love seeing much more screen time for Anthony Mackie. The action is wonderfully choreographed. I want to punch the new cap in the face, but understand that seems to be the point of that character. And again, Wyatt Russell has just done such a fantastic job of portraying John Walker and making him so dislikable that in a way, like you anticipate him being humbled. You know, we can see that And I've often used this comparison. He's like the douchebag quarterback that you knew in high school that thought he was above everybody and he could date any girl he wanted. He could get anything he wanted. It's what he reminds me of. And that happened in this past week's episode where he was humbled. And unfortunately, it didn't go very well for him and he didn't react the right way. Not how I expected at all, but I I actually like that uh, about the direction that they've been going in with his character. But I'm I'm really excited to see what else happens with Falcon and Winter Soldier and beyond Falcon and Winter Soldier. I want to see what happens in season two. I want to see what happens in Loki. Marvel's got me hooked, and I should never have doubted them. But coming up next on the show is my fantastic conversation with Mark Tompkins, Kate Dalton, Adam Weber, and Derek James Elstro from their film Warmed Over Krautrock, which I had the pleasure of watching. One of the more enjoyable films that I've watched in quite some time. And I've often said before, what I love about indie films, what they do, I think, better than even most big blockbuster films. I love watching the character development with indie films because in a way they feel so much more real. And this was no exception. I really enjoyed the characters in this film. I felt like, not necessarily that you can relate to, but characters that you might know from your personal life. And you think, oh, you know, I know somebody like that. I know an aspiring musician. I know someone who doesn't know what to do with their life. Yeah, and they might be friends that you eventually fall out of contact with. And every now and then their name might come up and you're like, oh, I wonder what that person's up to. So this film sparked a lot of those memories for me. And I'm very glad that I watched it. And hopefully you guys enjoy Uh, this conversation with them, and hopefully it gets you to watch the film. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Mark Tompkins, Kate Dalton, Adam Weber, and Derek James Elstro. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, and this week I am happy to be talking about One of the more fun movies that I've watched in quite some time, and that is Warmed Over Krautrock, and I have several individuals from the film here to chat about it. First up, we have the writer-director of the film, Mr. Mark Tompkins. Mark, how are you? Great.
1: Thanks, Derek.
0: Fantastic. Also, we have Miss Kate Dalton. Kate, how are you?
2: I'm great. Thanks, Derek.
0: We also have Mr. Adam Weber. Adam, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us. And finally, Mr. Derek Elstro. Derek, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned, I recently had the pleasure of watching uh, your guys' film and very much enjoyed it. And that's the cool thing about you doing this podcast is that it, it gives me the ability to watch films like this that I may not have had the opportunity to do otherwise. So it's cool seeing, you know, as much as I enjoy watching, you know, a fun Marvel movie or one of the more big budget films that come out, I enjoy the story of indie films usually so much more because I find that they have a little bit more heart to them. So I wanted to ask you, Mark, as the one who wrote the script, what was your inspiration behind the story of this and how did you conceive the idea?
1: Um, It was a few years ago and I had been getting bogged down in screenplays that were too long and probably too grandiose So, I was very consciously pivoting to writing something that was kind of like a a miniature or a short story, and something that I knew I would be able to make. Um, So, from there, I thought about well, um, what location would I feel comfortable in? And, you know, wanting to come up with some uh, good character parts in so that you would sort of wouldn't mind if it was a smaller scale movie.
0: And you mentioned characters and that's really what sells this film to me is the characters and the interaction because, you know, mentioning the like the big budget films that I talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah, the effects might be cool, but there's not a lot of story there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's why I fell in love with film in the first place is seeing the interaction between the characters, what happens to them from point A to point B and how they get there. So uh, that I think was my favorite aspect of of this entire film, which I think speaks to, you know, the great cast that we have here with us, yep. bringing those characters to life.
1: Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. To me, it was fascinating. We did a callback with the four, these four lead actors, including Jim Tavare, who plays the 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 owner of the store, and it was so interesting that I forgot I was supposed to be directing it because immediately they found a kind of family dynamic and it's like they intuited what the relationships should be right from the get-go and that really inspired me to immediately do more rewriting as soon as that callback was over and as soon as we had that callback I knew it had to be those four these four actors so it's a tribute to them.
0: Absolutely. And I'm curious uh, for the three of you that start in the film, and we'll start with you, Kate, how did you find out about this film and what made you want to be a part of it?
1: Um,
2: you know, I think I, I just saw a casting, I think either my manager submitted me for it, and um, I just auditioned for it. But I loved the dynamic between the, the that group. And um, I thought the location was really interesting and working, I you know, just that the kind of interesting spin that mark put on the cliche record store girl and you know she's a spitfire she's got an attitude um and she loves being there um and yeah i mean it was it was a great script and obviously working with these guys was 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 amazing and and you know like mark said like during the callback i think that we all hit it off very quickly um and so it just it it yeah it was just a very natural fit i think
1: um, what about Derek, you? if I, okay, if I can ahead. add just a, a little um, addendum to Kate's comment. Um, Kate was the last person we looked at on that day. We did 10 days of casting. And I think, Kate, you were supposed to come in a couple hours earlier. So I actually went out into the waiting room and thought, oh, well, I'll just double check to see if anyone else is still there. And I thought, oh yeah, I guess we can see one more person. Uh, and so thank God that we did. So that's all I can say.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, what about you,
0: Adam? How did you find out about this project? Well, I if I recall, I saw a casting
3: similar to uh, what Kate mentioned. I saw the casting and after reading the character description, I, I think something just clicked for me of just like, oh, I know this guy. I, I've been I've been there when you're so passionate and don't really know how to communicate that or sort of build with something like that. And if I recall, I submitted on the casting, but I believe I might've stalked uh, Mark a little bit to find his email and sent him a maybe a page and a half long email of why I, you know, you might want to bring me in to read for
0: this. <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, Derek?
4: I mean, yeah, I mean, to echo those two it was probably, I, I saw it on a casting somewhere uh, and I mean at the time I obviously was a wannabe rocker at that point mm-hmm. so it kind of, you know I had a lot of I mean I've lived in a record store before so it's it, I it kind of drew me in just immediately and like okay well I have the look and I obviously would love to be a character like this in general mm-hmm. I love living inside music so I think it was just I don't know everything about it was immediately attractive and yeah, it was an easy choice to go out for for sure.
0: And I love the look of the record store as well, where most of the film uh-huh. takes place. It actually reminds me of a record store that we have here in Pensacola. Like the look is very similar. They're stored in very similar like boxes and containers. So uh-huh. it was it was weird because I was like, was this really shot in California, <laughs> or was <laughs> did you guys come to Pensacola for this? So uh, it was it was really cool to see. So once the casting is done, Mark, where did you go from there? Like, Did you go through location scouting? What what were the next steps that you took in order to get this film to happen?
1: Um, Location scouting in L.A. is a challenge because no one is impressed that you're making a movie. Um, So if you're any aspiring filmmakers watching this, if you can shoot outside of L.A., 90 minutes outside of L.A., everything is different. You know, people aren't jaded you know, they're, they're more curious and like thrilled that you're making a movie and you, you wanna use their location. So we were kind of stuck um, and I looked at, uh, it was fascinating to see a lot of really dingy places in Hollywood um, that we were considering for like Chris's apartment um, uh, uh, and then Dwayne's apartment, that kind of thing. Um, our co-producer, uh, ming Su Lee, really saved the day um, because she would just had a gift for thinking outside of the box. Um, we found one place through Airbnb. Um, and I think that's actually been banned now. Like mm-hmm. you can't film in location, film in Airbnbs. Um, and then she also had hit, hit on the idea of uh, using photography studios um, and using those as uh, basically a soundstage. And that was far, far more economical than renting um, an actual soundstage. Um, We were a a screen actors guild ultra low budget production. So we were able to pay everybody a day rate, but we were certainly um, looking to economize wherever we could. Um, So both those things really helped us. Um, And the record store, that record store was by far the best possibility because the desk, like the counter is in the middle. So we could set cameras up at the front of the store, the back of the store, and every other store the, the counter is right by the windows. So it would have been blown out uh, visually behind it. And we just had a, a lot more freedom for camera angles. So we got really lucky with that store.
0: That's what I was curious about with the record store is, was it an actual store that you yep. then just filmed in or was it something that you made have scratch? But that's pretty, pretty cool that still you were able to use you know some locations and it's you bring up an interesting thing because you hear so many projects that are made outside of la now like atlanta's a hotbed so is new orleans but in most conversations that i have with people on the show they film usually outside of la so it's interesting Mm -hmm. to find locations because like you said i'm sure they see it on almost a daily basis like you're making a movie okay
1: yeah like no one no one is impressed um American Idol had shot a commercial in the same record store we were in about six months earlier. So again, the the owner was like, well, you've got to pay me what American Idol paid. And of course we couldn't do that. So we had to do some negotiating there. That's really cool.
0: That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was pretty
0: hard-nosed, so. Now I'm curious to define that commercial
2: i yeah. am too i feel like you've been holding out on us a little bit <laughs> yeah,
1: well, also, yeah. also, really? was... what
2: else are you hiding mark
1: <laughs> yeah also i, not, I wanted to sure. get credit for the discovery So,
3: <laughs> also pretty shortly afterwards not that we jinxed it mm. but that record store changed ownership shortly after. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's still a record store but they also sell coffee and sandwiches yeah. um i don't know if that's a like that's how they're staying afloat
0: Never don't have a record store to sell coffee, yeah. and other things besides records. But that is a good idea though.
2: It mm-hmm. is a good idea. Yeah. I'd like to work there.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were and talking about this in the film. It's <laughs>
0: yeah. why exactly. didn't we all think of that? Seriously. It was yeah. the best ideas always come after the fact. Oh. But I mean, that, that is interesting that you bring that up because as I was watching the film and watching your characters interact in the record store, it, it did make me feel this would actually be a, a cool place to work. Because, you know, the, the thing about the film is that the characters are very relatable and not to really go into any spoilers, but I love that not everything really worked out mm-hmm. the way that it didn't have the typical like happy ending, you know, that things don't work out. In some ways, professionally, some ways don't mm. work out personally. I love that it went in that direction because it felt more real to me. Mm. And, and everybody knows or most people know someone who's in a band, you know, mm. or someone who's an aspiring musician or someone who works in a cool place like a record store who knows, you know, characters like they're portrayed in this film. So I, I very much appreciated that specific aspect of it.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I tried to base a lot of um, Derek's character on musicians that I knew, but I think people do respond to that aspect of the movie by the end, that it is, it has that relatable quality.
0: Absolutely. Uh, as far as, you know, Kate, you, Adam and, and Derek, Kate, we'll start with you, is, was that to you one of the big selling points of the film was the realism between the characters?
2: Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, like I said, I think the three of us really hit it off. I mean, at the callback and then at the table read. So that dynamic was really, really easy to build on. And I think we had so much fun doing it and actually shooting in the, the record store itself. It like, it was this really great sort of self-contained world and it was very easy to just sort of snap into it. Um, And like you said, I think we all know friends who are in bands and I think we all, you know, it, it, it was a very relatable thing. And I think, um, yeah, it was just a very easy dynamic to step into.
0: What about you, Derek? Do you feel that way?
4: Yeah. I mean, it was super easy. And I, I, I think it's easy just cause it, because we're all artists anyways, we kind of have that we're all trying to go somewhere and we never really know where it's going to go. And even if it's not what we want it to be, it could still be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. So like that's kind of that camaraderie just kind of between us as artists in general kind of fed into the characters. And I think that made it so much more easier. I mean, it was just, I don't know, fun, easy.
2: And we spent a lot of time goofing off. Like it was just, <laughs> oh, absolutely, it was, yeah. it, was, it was so much fun like working with you guys. <laughs> it's really yeah. nice to see you. I miss you. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: what about you, Adam? Do you feel the same way?
3: Absolutely. I think, I
0: think there's each uh, each aspect of the different
3: characters kind of speaks to anybody that's had creative endeavors that, especially in a place like LA where the creative, creative endeavors are great, but the first thing everyone's thought is, is okay, how do you monetize and build on it? Right. And how do you, you have a passion for an art or music or style or anything, and it's like, great, how do you make a business out of it? And it's kind of, the, I feel like that kind of is something that is the overhanging monster in the back that's kind of just always eating away. It's like, well, what is your passion? And it's like, honestly, re-watching it again and hearing Dwayne's struggle of like, but I don't do anything. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that, a lot of passion, but I don't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. Hearing Derek's uh, character's thing of, I just want to make the art first. and I want to make that good. And the same thing for Kate of like, I make this great art and now how can I push it and actually get it out there and just all, of it it feels like it just spoke to a lot of the different processes of trying to create art. And you like have a creative uh, passion and trying to get that out in the world. But the level of expectation of what that always means, something about that just sort of each part of it kind of spoke. So like once we got to the callback, it's like, everything did kind of click and it was just like, ah, yes. It just, Mm -hmm. like the light bulb just kicks. And so then the goof, like Kate was saying, the goofing off and stuff. It's like, (laughs) oh no, we have, everyone has that level of relatability to understand. It's like, yeah, I I know where you're at. I've been there. Mm
2: -hmm. And we would goof off and Mark would be like, oh, let's, let's, let's film that. Keep going. I was
1: just about to say that. (laughs) Um, Like a lot of good lines came out of that. When I had to, um, the distributor wanted a copy of the exact shooting script. So when I typed that up, I was really surprised how different it was from the script that we actually started with, like the first day of shooting. Because so much, so many of the, the lines were like ad libs and things that came out after the, like in the last take or something. And they were really funny and they were really appropriate for the characters. So I think that helped keep everyone's energy level up.
0: For sure, no, and it seemed like a really fun set to be a part of. You just from watching the movie, you're thinking, I, I bet that these guys had a blast making this film. And Adam, something you you said that I thought was great was that each character, you can look at each character as being in you know different places, maybe in their life or different mindsets, but they all speak to a creative type in some way. That's in a different scenario in their life, or you know, there might be one that. You know, I just want to make the art good first or you know, I don't feel like I'm doing what I need to be doing or whatever the case may be. It, it speaks to so many different people I think in different ways that might be in different phases that, that I thought was really cool.
2: Well I think what was also really interesting was that what the record store represented and that job meant to each everybody was very different mm-hmm. um, and like you said I think it, it having those three, three, three very different types of people brought together in this in this sort of little pressure cooker of a, of a of a store um a lot of interesting things came out of it and i think that people can relate because it, it touches on so many different kinds of people
4: i think what was cool for me too is that <clears throat> so in la a lot of times if you find yourself putting on like a face or a show for people just in general and i think what's cool about the movie is have you have all these artists kind of at different points of their lives doing different things going different directions but like say for maybe a couple scenes, you're basically seeing these people at their most honest, like, oh, Mm -hmm. am I good? Am I great? Or is this worth it? Or what am I doing? You know, whereas like, you know, for the most time walking around LA, it's who's your agent, who's this, what did you do? So it's kind of, I think that kind of makes it refreshing just as a viewer as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I feel like they'd all spent so much time with each other on the job in the record store that that was the one place where no one was putting on an act. And they were they were completely honest with each other. And
2: they Agreed. wouldn't have necessarily been friends outside of the record store, you yeah, know. Yeah. Sort of shared shared experience.
1: Yeah. So when it's over, like there's it's not likely that they'll spend that much time together. I don't think no, so.
2: No. No. <laughs> I hope you guys would have gone to Lissette's play though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she went to so many of your damn shows.
0: Yep. That's true. I hope so. I I like to think so.
2: I do too.
0: (laughs) It's interesting because, and it's very much like a reflection of life is, you know, there are certain things, or in this case, a certain location that would bring people together that otherwise, you know, Mm -hmm. you may not have had in your life at all. You know, like with my my day job, I work for a minor league baseball team. And I'm actually one of the few people that are from here that Mm -hmm. work there. There are, you know, other employees who are from, you know, other parts of Florida who are from you know San Diego or you know outside of LA. but it, you never know when certain things or certain places will bring people together that mm-hmm. you may not otherwise have. and it creates a, a very good dynamic which I think you know the film does a great job of showing as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I have to also give props to our, our fourth actor, Jim Tavare, who played the, um, who played the record store owner. When he came in um, to audition, he said that besides he read, he knew a lot of people. Um, when Walt is talking about how music just doesn't move him, like he's, he, he's kind of lost that passion. He said he knew a lot of people that that, that described. And so I think the dilemma of his character is the, the younger characters you know, have passions that they're not able to quite actualize yet but he needs to find what his next thing is going to be. Uh, what I liked about the production design was the store kind of became a, a visualization of his depression, especially that back room where it's like his life is kind of falling down around him. For sure. And yeah, Jim was definitely an anchor. I
3: feel like mm-hmm. we, we talk about us, us getting to play around and have so much fun. And Jim was definitely a that, that good balance of keeping us, Mm-hmm. Keeping us, uh, keeping us the good yeah. focus, as well as like you know, bringing the level up, as well as shenanigans mm-hmm. being allowed to ensue. Well,
0: and that's the great thing too is when you have someone who can still you know goof off and you do funny shenanigans, but at the same time can be like, okay, now it's you know it's time to get serious and it's time to get to work. Uh, mentioning you know you guys goofing off and having fun on set, I do have to ask, and Mark will start with you. Do you guys each have? A particular favorite story from from the set of the film that you'd like to
1: share. Uh, my favorite moment was there was one day we were shooting in the record store and somebody walked in thinking it was it was open. Um, you know they somehow ignored like the light didn't see the light stands or anything. Um, so that poor guy, I always thought that he wanted to buy the erotica album that's hanging behind the on the counter behind the counter of the whole movie, um, and you know he was thwarted.
0: That's great. Uh, Adam, what about you?
3: Well, one of the other interesting things is we, uh, our base camp was right next door. So.
1: Oh yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> having, having the base camp be in a tattoo shop.
1: Yeah. I believe. I, that I, stayed I, open I, the the time. Yeah,
3: they stayed open for us. I think I was talking about, it was either Carly or someone or was it or somebody we were trying to bully somebody to get into it, get a tattoo to commemorate the film, which unfortunately didn't didn't yep. happen that instant. But but no, Yeah, yeah, there's. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pick one because a lot of these, like Kate was saying, it was like or Kate was saying it was like. Once it once it got funny, it was just like, hold on a second.
0: Roll, roll, <laughs> roll, everybody back up. Uh, Derek, what about you?
4: man i just remember it it coming the the shooting like the bulk of like the in the record store stuff came on like the hottest week yes. of the summer <laughs> and i yeah. don't know if they i think it was their ac broke yeah. or, or there just was just no air in there so like every between every take every cut it was just like we're, we're all getting like this makeup and like sweat uh-huh. just stopped up the entire time and like kudos to the makeup people too because that was that was the full-time job at that point I just yeah I don't know why that's like stuck in my head as like memorable but
1: it was pretty grueling it was definitely like one of the hottest weeks of the summer
2: yeah it was August wasn't it
1: no yeah
0: what about you Kate
2: I mean that's it's a hard question um I shooting in the car was really fun um I remember It was it was one of the more down moments of the movie, and we definitely got that solid take of us all being bummed out. And then, you know, we sort of started improvising and stuff and. All of a sudden, Mark Mark was just like, by the way, guys, you're having a little too much fun. Like, yeah, this is, <laughs> the moment is supposed to be a little bit more serious. And we just we just sort of like just kept escalating. And by the end of it, we were all laughing. And it was like, no, no. Great. We love it. But we got to remember to keep the
0: mood. Bad, is dude, like,
3: bad, bad dude, bad dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uh That's fantastic. I, I'm glad that, you know, to hear that you guys had so much fun on set because you can definitely tell through your performances Uh, on camera that it it was it was fun so that that's very cool but as we start to wrap up here I'm curious and uh, Derek we'll start with you what was it that initially made you each individually want to pursue a career in the film industry
4: oh well I I probably got the bug in high school like maybe my junior year of high school I was just doing a lot of sports and I was just looking for like a different outlet and I'm like, "Hmm, well, my, my high school had a great theater program. So I'm like, well, let me try out. And my first tryout, I got the lead in some Shakespeare play. And then from there on, I'm just like, I got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in college, it was like, let me try to do something different. And then I went back and then I'm just like, screw it. I mean, this feels good. It makes me happy. It makes me happy to make other people happy. Like, I don't know. It just the energy you get from it is unbelievable. And I didn't, really want to ever lose that so i figured let's let's go for a career
0: what about you adam
3: well i i started when i was pretty young i was around 12 when i kind of got into acting and then just did a local theater and stuff all the way up until high school and then went to college and drama school and uh yeah there's something about it i i always go to visual metaphors but it's always like painting it's always like a you've got this wonderful tool of a script that you can take so many different directions. And there's something about that, that just, it's, it's just fun. And it's a thing of like, it feels like a real way to connect to people in. I'm trying not to get too heady here, but it's, it's just a, <laughs> like a way to make an authentic connection while still being self-expressive. And that sort of tapped into something in my creative mind that was just like, Yeah, let's sort of work together with people to sort of just make good things. It's just, uh, yeah, because having one thing for Dwayne that really spoke to me is just having the thought or the passion and creativity all bottled up, but no way to express it. And it's like, like getting into film and acting. It's like, oh, here's a the most clear raw form of expressing an idea and a thought and a feeling that I feel like everyone can relate to at certain points.
0: Well, you bring up a great point, too, as to why film is, to me, the greatest art form that there is out there. And it's no disrespect to sculpting or painting, because I've seen some beautiful you know, physical pieces of art. But you don't visually see the raw emotion that actors portray through a painting or through sculpture. So I I, I, I agree 100 percent. Like, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, what about you, Kate?
2: Um. I'd say, you know, I was, I was a kind of an awkward kid. I was probably like five, eight by the time I was 10 years old. I was very, very tall. Um, And I was just very uncomfortable and awkward, but I loved to read. I loved to read. And I I was the kid who was always counting the paragraphs to see which one I would get to read out loud. Um, And it was just when I was reading out loud, I just felt very confident and, and very sort of out like a outside of myself in a way, but also much more in touch with myself. Like it was, I felt more controlled and I liked it. I liked, I liked myself when I was doing it. And I remember in seventh grade, my brother was in a production of 12th night and I would hearing him do this Shakespeare might, it just like took the air. It it, I can remember seeing him do it and just being like, I want to get up there. Like, how do I get up there? Um, And it was just sort of a natural, uh, you know, I just moved into it very naturally. And again, my high school had a great theater program. And luckily I lived outside of New York city and was able to go take classes on the weekends. And, um, yeah, I just, I, it, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like it brings a certain grace to my life. And I don't know, it's, it's a combination of really loving words and loving, um, communicating with people and, and bringing words to life and, the collaboration on a film set is 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 like nothing else you know you you spend two or three weeks with this group of people and you're you spend 12 14 16 hour days it's very intimate and the stakes are very high and you're all collaborating and it's 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 really it's really like nothing else you know it's it's a really cool fun experience and i i love making movies yeah
0: <laughs> i've compared being on a film set, working on, you know, a production, almost like summer camp, in a yeah. way, because when it's the last day, you're sad, because it's like, well, you know, when are we going to see each other again? Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it's over. So that is that that's one of the best things about film is the collaboration. Everyone, mm. you might be from different, you know, countries or states, different backgrounds, different beliefs, but you all come together to make this project happened, you all come together with one goal. And I, I think that's it's really incredible if you think about it.
2: It's like nothing else. And if, if you haven't been on a film site, it's it's a difficult thing to really explain to someone, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. But what about you, Mark?
1: Um, yeah, I would say collaboration was definitely the most exciting thing about this is I've been writing scripts for quite a while and it's it's such a different world you know, hearing people saying the lines and the characters becoming these people um, and everything becomes much better. You know, the the characters are more lived in, the dialogue becomes more authentic. And then everyone who's working on the, the production, you know, brings ideas that, that just make it, um, you know, when I think about what I thought the movie would be before we shot it, it's like I'm embarrassed it just got so much better, thanks to the the con- contributions of, you know, the cinematographer, the actors, um, our co-producer pro- Carly, um, who who brought a lot to it. Um, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to make it without every single person.
0: That's fantastic, Adam. We'll start with you. What is one piece of advice that you could give to an aspiring actor or filmmaker?
3: Mm. That's a that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. It's
2: glad you asked him
3: first. <laughs> no, you lucky. You guys are so lucky. I'm teaming up. Whatever. <laughs> no, um, I had a couple of. I was very fortunate to start off uh, pretty young, and my first agent, when I was like 13, had a great piece of advice. It sounds very dark, but they're like, 90% of the time, you're going to walk in the door and you're wrong, and that's okay, mm-hmm. which was something that's like but but I'm good at this that that shouldn't be right it's like you're too tall you're too short you're too blonde you're too brown you're too Mm -hmm. brunette it's all of these things are all these other factors so all you can do is just do what you do best to just bring yourself as much as you can to something and to sort of don't lose track of the fun don't don't lose the forest for the trees it's The best thing I can say is remember that you you gotta be a team player. Uh, because like using a sports metaphor, it's it's just like a baseball game. Like we've got we've got Mark as our coach, we got Jim as our captain. And it's like, you know, it's at this point, I Derek might be pitching and I'm and I'm behind the plate. So it's like there you just gotta, if you think about it like that, it's it takes so much of the stress about, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then you can really be present and collaborate with people and make better connections to make better, make better scenes and make better art and make better you know performances.
0: What about you, Derek?
4: Um, it's uh, it's actually a bit of advice that I got from an agent of mine, and it relates. He framed it in terms of like, what are you trying to do when you audition? But I think, in a holistic sense, it's kind of what we what you kind of want to do as an actor is. He framed it as, what are you trying to do when you go to an audition? It's you're trying to make a friend. And I think in general, like going in as an actor and an artist, it's like, there's so much like business and headshots and this and this, and you got to network and you got to this. It's like, slow down, like just go somewhere, meet people, be yourself and make a friend because that way you're not, you're one, you're going to enjoy everything you do. And two, when you start to build those friendships, I mean, down the line, like, who do you want to make movies with? Who's the first person you're going to call when you have your own sketch? You know what I mean? Like, so just make a friend and that's going to pay off later for yourself and for other people. So, I mean, I kind of just try to put myself in that mindset and I think it's across the board. It it works out.
0: Kate.
2: I love that, Derek. And that's, uh, you know, kind of to that point, um, I would say learn as many aspects of filmmaking as you can um, because it's it just it serves you as an actor to understand what they're doing when they're setting up the shot and you know why it's important that you hit your mark all of these sort of technical aspects of it but then on top of that you know like make a friend make movies together write some shitty movies, sorry write some (laughs) crappy movies and make them and write write some bad stuff and find people that you like to work with and learn together and it's you're just you're going to get better and even if you don't want to be a writer or you have no interest in you know uh, working behind the camera it's just going to make you a better teammate and it's just it's just gonna i I think it just really elevates you as an artist
3: yeah absolutely and one one thing just to add on since you guys got to say it so much better and (laughs) tell Whenever things, whenever you're getting critical feedback or negative things like that, there's a great quote. And I don't, I heard it from Austin Cleed. I don't know where he got it from, but it's a thing of uh, modern art. The definition of modern art is I could do that. Yeah, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. So it's a thing of what Kate said of just make stuff. And you just, once you understand Mm -hmm. all of those, all the work becomes that much better.
1: Absolutely. What about you, Mark? Um, Kind of tied in with what Adam just said, I would, for aspiring filmmakers, I would say two things, Um, make something um, because there's the thrill of discovery if you haven't made something before. Like when I made this movie, um, casting was, was the big discovery. We did, like I said, we did 10 days and every day we saw at least one person who was really inspiring. And it really made you think. made made me think about how, I think a flaw in the industry sometimes is that the people who are already working are getting cast, and you you realize there are so many talented people who you've never heard of who are who are waiting to get cast in something. Um, so I would say make something, even even if it's like a five or ten minute short, just so you learn and you find out if you want to do it. Um, and then the second thing is. Um, uh, I don't, we've heard so many stories in the last couple of years about, you know, horrible, toxic work, uh, workplaces in the, the film industry, film and TV industry. So I feel like, um, you know, don't lose your temper and, you know, verbal abuse should not be part of anyone's work, work day. Um, I've Since I made this movie, I've heard more from people I know and even friends of mine who said, you know, until I was co-executive producer, Every job I had, you know, verbal abuse was just expected. Um, so I would tell tell people, you know, we don't, we, that has to change. Um, so just, you know, tr- try to treat everybody with respect.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself. And last question before we get out of here. Do each of you have any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. And uh, where can people watch uh, watch your film.
1: Uh, it's on quite a few platforms. I'm happy to say we have a we have a good distributor, Gravitas Ventures. Um, it's on Amazon, Apple TV, YouTube, um, maybe some cable pay-per-view. Um, we're uh, we the movie does have um, pages on all social media with a minimum of disinformation. I'm happy to say. So if you want to find platforms or or news, um, just look on of uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.
0: Uh, Adam, what about you?
3: Uh, probably the easiest place to find me is, uh, I guess, Instagram at adsweber, K-D-S-W-E-B-E-R. Uh Yeah, that's usually where I put most of my updates for better. Adamweber.actor on the web.
0: What about you, Derek? Uh,
4: I'm not crazy active, but the one that I'm most active with is on Twitter. And that's just Elstro underscore
0: Derek. And last but not least, Kate.
2: Um, probably the best place is Instagram. And uh, my handle is Hurricane underscore Dalton, which it's fun to say it out loud because I'm never sure if the joke comes across. <laughs> so that's, it's H-U-R-R-I-K-A-T-E underscore Dalton.
0: Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me and the opportunity to watch our Warmed Over Kraut Rock. I very much enjoyed
1: it. Thanks for having us, Derek. And thanks for spotlighting indie movies.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Derek.
1: Wow,
3: we appreciate it. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks again to Mark, Kate, Adam, and Derek for coming on the show to talk about their wonderful film, Warmed Over Kraut Rock. Be sure to check it out and follow them on social media to find out what they'll be up to next. For next week's show is the return of two of the most popular segments that I've done on this podcast. First, we have the 2021 Oscars coming up, so I will be doing a prediction show. So if you want to throw out your predictions, I'll be posting a thread on Facebook at facebook.com slash ddiamondpodcast. If you want to send me your Oscar predictions, I'll read them on the show. I'll be giving mine as well. And also it's the return of the top five, but what that top five will be, I'm not sure yet. Uh, the day that you're listening to the show as it comes out, the poll will close on Sunday. So if you haven't signed up for Patreon yet, head over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast to be able to vote on the monthly top five segments. You can ask the guests of the show a question. You get access to some of my film scripts. A lot of other cool perks have been added to the Patreon recently, so go check that out. Should be a really fun show next week. I can't wait to do it. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast. Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can get your podcast. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, please leave a review because the more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at podcast. As I mentioned before, Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music. For the podcast, you can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. So, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.